Wendy, yeah. I feel like you've, I feel like I've, I've been living vicariously through you. You've, you've got so much stuff going on, right? Yeah, and you're, po- you're posting all these things. And I'm just like, wow, how does she have time for all that? That's awesome. There's more than one Wendy Keen. That's why. That's what it has to be. She has, she has a digital twin, right? <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. Oh, she needs to do more. <laughs> um, and then, and does, does this yeah. mean you're, and of course, you're specifically saying is information architecture? Well, I am. I, I deliberately left it vague, actually. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there are licensed architects, they design buildings. That's yeah. a different wow. That's a profession. That's yeah, a that's a, they study. Well, for, and I think they study for years. Profession. Right, but that's a great point to raise, right? You they know, study I mean, for years. They're not allowed to design a shed for years. I tell you, they're. Uh, yeah, I mean, they are. Chris, kick off the um, Chris L, kick off, kick off the episode so we can get into. All right, the, yeah, the, fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to waste all this good uh, arguing on yeah. you know, <laughs> cold open. Oh. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I am Chris Lockhart, joined today by Wendy Keen, Oliver Kronk, Phil Yanoff, and Chris Potts. Um, we are continuing a conversation that we started, uh, I think, Oliver, with you on Architect Tomorrow, right? Um, and then we continued it um, in sort of a mashup style. We continued it with uh, Paul Price on um, the Argument podcast. Um, and we wanted to continue the conversation now. And really, this conversation is all around uh, architecture. Um, I think there, I think there was a LinkedIn post originally that triggered this, like, you know, what is architecture in 2022, right? And so, uh, and I think it was enterprise architecture that, that actually started that conversation. And so we wanted to sort of continue this conversation now through a slightly different lens and think about architecture through the lens of consulting, right? And, you know, when, when we were doing the pre-roll for this, I was, I was using the word architecture over and over again and Phil correctly pointed out, well, do you mean like building a building or do you mean like IT architecture? Or do you mean, and I think that's all part of a really good discussion that we can have around this. But before we get to that, Oliver, I wanted to ask you, because I, I, I was going to ask Paul, but, you know, he conveniently didn't show up for this podcast, so he can't answer the question. But um, we, we can intersperse some video of him answering this question somewhere, I'm sure. But I wanted to ask, I'll throw it to you real quick. I mean, you know, consulting, we we would say is a profession, right? And all the different types of consulting, we've talked about them before. Is architecture a profession in, in a similar way? What do you think? My, my quick response to this is it should be, uh, because, I mean, we can talk about building architecture, but, you know, you can, you can see other professionalized architects in the building world. And I think, uh, yeah, previous videos, we've talked about this with Paul, haven't we? And I think the where we get to is we're still arguing over definitions and methodologies and approaches uh, and, and therefore we haven't quite formalized enough to have a profession that everyone can get behind. And I think Paul has often talked about the challenges of us being a global, if you look at business technology architecture as a global profession, creates even more unique challenges because at least 
building architects tend to have to just operate within their you know geographical kind of government um, rules. The, the, the nature of technology is it's global, and that creates even more stakeholders and, and more arguments. So I think I think I, hope, I, I personally hope eventually we will get to that point. Uh, I think we need to get to that point. I think Paul argues very strongly when he talks about this that we need to get to that point. But I think we're still in this phase where we're still discussing and debating quite how we can align enough to get. When you're saying that, do you mean enterprise architecture, technology architecture, solution architect? I mean, which pieces of this you're talking about? Or is this an umbrella for everything that's well, not, you know, building a doghouse? Your question, your question kind of is almost the reason why we need to professionalize it, right? Because there is this confusion. And I think we've we touched on this in the first episode, even, didn't we? The different types of roles. Uh, I think if you're within the architecture circle, most people like to proudly think they know. I, I've, I've been accused of this as well, like thinking I know exactly where enterprise architect starts and finishes and solution architect starts and finishes. The problem is we still haven't even agreed what these different sort of pieces and components are. We all agree that we need good architecture for our organizations to function well and to go through change programs and you know, uh, innovate and, and be successful you know, and sustainably successful organizations. But what we seem to struggle on is what is the kind of, you know, what, what are the kind of uh, you know, roles, the definitions, the different pieces and, and I think we've discussed and debated before, does it even matter? So long as we get the organization where it needs to go, different people can wear different hats and, and, and get the organization where it needs to be. I think the important thing is that we recognize the value of architecture and work towards standardizing it and professionalizing it because it is so important. I mean, it's not, it's not just like a marketing website anymore that, that IT is responsible for or, te or technology is responsible for. It's often mission-critical systems stuff that affect society if it goes wrong. And so... It's it's critical enough to need that professionalization. Yeah, I think I mean I'm looking at it from the lens of people who hire the architects, um, and I, I see I've never witnessed any demand from those folks uh, for something called the architecture profession. Uh, and uh, I mean I've been in places, I have to say, where people say, "Don't what are we doing? Call it architecture." All right, for some reason it's got a bad name, and that's down to one of us somewhere having done it badly or something. Um, they they value their architects. And uh, I mean, last count of the list I used in my article for Architects and Governance magazine is like there's at least 144 different kinds of enterprise architects by title. People value their architects or they don't. And I've seen no demand for the professionalization of so this thing called architecture from the people that hire us. So well, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit ambivalent. Personally, I'm a bit ambivalent, which is obviously different from some other people I appreciate. Yeah, no, I think that's fascinating, right? Because I've always, you know, at least. And again, there's different types of consulting, but in the management consulting space, I've always found it sort of extraordinarily difficult to go in and sell architecture, right? Architecture, they don't know what they're buying, Chris. They don't, they don't, well, that's just it, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and I think you were pointing out in the pre-roll, right? It's like, you know, if, if, if you're coming to me to help, you know, design a building, right, as an architect, right, that type of architect, you know what you're getting, blueprints, plans, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you, you might be getting, right, as part of that process, uh, you know, I don't know what... I don't know that it's universally understood. And I think your point is that people don't know what they're getting with architecture. I don't know. Well, Wendy, well, yeah. Wendy sold oh, architecture. Oh, yeah. Wendy sold yeah, architecture. Sure. Huh? Wendy, you've sold architecture, right? Business yes. architecture. Yes. Yes. So, so part of the challenge is, is just that we have a mindset that blueprints 
and coordinated thinking makes sense for physical structures, but we don't necessarily translate it over to organizational structures and making decisions about what we do and how we make change and how we prioritize change. So that a little bit is to Chris to your point about why it's why it's hard to sell. Um, but but do do we sell architecture? I mean, yes, absolutely. You know, we we have different specialties. Um, I focus on establishing business architecture practices and helping organizations leverage architecture as they do transformation and strategy execution and you know things like that um so i it, it is very possible to to sell it's just a matter of, of how you do it the the other part i would say is and i think there's a big opportunity here is to use architecture as part of what else you are actually offering whether it's a solution implement i mean you name it, whether it's a solution implementation, whether it is, you know, a sustainability framework or a risk framework, right? So architecture can also go along with a lot of other things. Um, it's just knowing how to sell it. And I think working it into the bigger context of what matters. That's the key. Do you, do you sell it as, hey, let me sell you architecture? Or do you sell it as, hey, let me align your, your business needs with your, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Both. Both. It's literally, for me, it's literally two paths. One is we already have done the work internally. We know that we want to build a business architecture practice, right? So please come help us to establish and, you know, or mature that. Or the other, and, and, and you're going to find the same thread appears in both. When I do that, I don't go in and start building maps. I start with why. It's always about the value and finding the angle for that organization and ideally positioning strategically. The second is they actually want the ability to do something and architecture underpins it. Either way, value focused. So I just want to be clear. You don't start by going in and installing a mapping tool um, <laughs> or 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 yeah. buying the latest Togaf 10 book or totally. something. You don't start, start architecture there? Start with why. Holy crap, yeah. I got to write that down because that's like, you know, <laughs> I'm being a little facetious, but I'm in I'm in a LinkedIn art debate, I guess you could say right now about this, right? Where it was like, and I think it was Wolfgang or someone that initially said, you know, something and I chimed in and someone else said something. And basically it's down to, is does do you need a tool to be an architect? And my my take on it was I, I didn't think so. But again, I'm looking at it through a consulting perspective where architecture for me, yes, there are diagrams. Yes, all of these sorts of things. But the story is to me is more important, right? Be, again, it's the, the advice. Way, yeah, it, isn't it the advice? I mean, look, look at the go back to the building trade, right? I mean, yes, the architect's diagram for the building is important, but actually probably what's even, even more important is the initial meeting with the client who is designing an office building or a, a house, right? And they will tell the architect what they want to get out of that building. And the architect will perhaps say, well, look, my thing is you design the, the structure in this way. Or, you know, we think about the flow of people coming into the building. I think the same thing is true of, uh, of architecture. I, I think sometimes we over we over prioritize the artifacts. And the diagrams. I think they're useful for us as architects to structure our thinking and create deliverables. But actually, the value often, I think, to the customer is our advice and our guidance on the way to proceed. Uh, you know, we were talking before the call about that's the, the different programs or different projects that, or, or, or um, change sort of vehicles that need to be spun up to, to, to make things happen. Or it might be some strategic, big strategic technology decisions that, that, are, that are hairy and complex. Well, you get some advice from someone who's perhaps been there before and, 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 and knows how to kind of do the trade-offs. So I, I often think we undervalue that advisory consultative kind of side, which ties into the consultant piece. And over-index on the on the value of the deliverables and the diagram. Yeah. 
I mean, if you if you're if you're pitching, you know, Hudson Yards on the west side of Manhattan, you don't start with the floor plan and the plumbing design, right? You start with a vision of a drawing of a an idea. We're going to take this unused piece of land and we're going to make a sustainable whatever, right? And you're gonna we're gonna do this and, and look, here's some sketches and this is what, you're selling a vision, you're selling a motion, right? You're selling. Well, I could do a yes. Yeah, I, I could do a yes, but here. Actually. I could do a yes, oh, yes, but. and okay. <laughs> yes, no, yes, but I thought I might as well. Um, is that uh, we we are working with an entity, enterprise, government, company, whatever, that is a it is an ideas-driven, dynamic environment, and it can keep on redesigning itself, architects or not. Uh, and so the ideas that we might have picked up from people at blueprint ships and buildings and even landscapes, uh, they, they don't really fit in an environment that can keep on designing itself as a hot bed of dynamic ideas. We, and when we join in, go back to consultancy, whether we're consultants or, 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 or con contractors, or I, I'm a, I've been a gig economy architect since 2000, so it's a slightly different model again, or employees. Whichever mode we take, as soon as we start talking to somebody in enterprise, we're part of that flow. We can we can interact with with part of the enterprise and start to trigger changes just by talking to people. So I think the whole idea of sort of freezing it in a blueprint is I mean we can do as long as it allows for all that, that dynamic to happen. Thought I'd say that. Oh, I love it. I was just sitting here trying to wonder like did the internet exist in two thousand when you were? Um, I'm just kidding. Nearly, just about. <laughs> well, so so then all right, so okay, so I like. All right, consulting. Someone, and we keep using the building, uh, the you know, physical architecture uh, example. Yeah. Is, you know, if if I'm consulting on something, I'm 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 I believe helping to sell initially a vision, an emotion, a connection with something, and then yes, absolutely, there are you know, and, and here's what the tenth floor will look like, and you know, et cetera, or here's how SAP will be installed, or whatever it may be, right? Um, and so I get that. The question, I guess, now that I'm I'm wondering is. Is it different if you are a, uh, uh, an enterprise architect working for who should we pick on today? KPMG, right? You're an enterprise architect working for KPMG in in the uh, the strategy group, and you're on a digital transformation or whatever, and you're the architect. Is it different if you're that person or uh, versus like a, an architect within a company, right? Yes. Um, how is it different? Does it? I don't know anybody. Anybody? I'll just yeah. We'll all start talking at the same time. <laughs> I've got views, but I'm happy to let Chris Chris go first. If you want. Me, me again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, in the broad scope of what we do, we we plan, we design, we oversee developments. We're architects. That's what we do. So, and um, if you're a chief architect, which I've in my gig economy work, have been thrown into the chief architect role for a little while sometimes, and you've got you've got your in-house architects. And you've got your possibly, or well, I had a consultancy group, not from KPMG, from somebody else, and so on. Um, the shift between the two, when you bring in a consultancy group, is your in-house architects and the shift onto oversight, not least of the consultancy coming in. Okay. Because um, the consultants coming in to probably do the planning, possibly some designing. If they weren't there, that's what you'd be doing. Um, and they come in and now it's oversight. And, and as you're the chief architect, that's where you really, really need to be good at your job because there's normally going to be some creative tension between the in-house architects and the people coming in to do their job because we have different ways of doing it, that kind of thing. I, I think it's not just different ways of doing it. I think it's also different motivations, right? And I'd love, I'd love for us all to sit here and say all consultants are just thinking about the best outcomes for the client. 
right? And I've sat on both sides. Of course sides. we are. Of course we are. I know, I know. Win-win strategy, et cetera, et cetera. But win, win, I've, win. Sat on both, I've sat on both sides of this, of this divide. And I think, you know, there have been times where it's your oversight point is really, really valid, not just because of the reasons you cite, but also because the consultancy may be thinking, ah, here's some programs that we can influence and kick off. And actually we've got a whole bunch of teams that can, we can, we can, you know, source for, for this bank. Um, you know, and, and I've, and I've seen it happen and, I, and you need that oversight, not just on the sort of, is the strategic right alignment correct, but also I, I, what are the motivations behind the consultants giving me this sort of roadmap or this program or this architecture. So I, the piece I was going to talk about is I think it is really important to think about that mix of who is your strategic sort of architect versus who is your, tactical change kind of maker and i think in my experience some of the some of the best sort of balance has been making sure that the yes you can get strategy and input from consultancies but make sure you own that alignment back to the business value and where the business is taking that and then sure leverage the sap expertise leverage the you know whatever whatever the flavor is that you need from the consultancy to kind of get things done but you need to continue to own the governance and own the alignment back to where you're trying to go as a business. Because otherwise, there is a danger that you get swayed by the, the hyped technology or the, or the things that are on the bench of the consultancy and that they want to sell available hours oh. for. I mean, I, yeah. But anyway, that's, that's my view. And, and Chris and Oliver, if I could just echo what you both have said so eloquently, just to say it a different way. Like, I feel like, especially in this space, there's consulting with conscious or consultant, you know, consultancy with purpose. And I've been on both sides of this fence as well. But I think the roles for a consultant is either to help an organization build capacity and help them mature or and or to help them, you know, surge and actually, you know, be able to execute on things with the oversight that both of you are saying. And, and I think, you know, architecture is arguably a muscle that organizations need to have of their own. So we should always be trying to help them to get there. Sure, sure. I mean, the, the additional bit, because is, is the relationships that whoever we are, whether we're the consultants or the in-house architect, the sort of relationships we all have are very, very useful if things start to escalate. And they will quite often start to escalate. And so, so quite a lot, I mean, consultancies are quite rightly very good at building relationships with clients at various levels. And, and I've worked with in-house architects who weren't so good at building relationships with their, uh, their, their seniors. And so it got out of kilter. So relationships, never mind the blueprints. I mean, now we're talking about the, the strength of relationships you have, all of you, all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting point, right? Because I've also been in organizations where Enterprise architects have been, quite frankly, not very effective at selling vision to senior leadership. No. But, yeah. but you know what? Who, who did? The, um, the the consultancy came in that they were hired. You know, they were listed, and it was really frustrating. I can see the, the frustration in, in my in my peers in the EA function because essentially all the consultancy had kind of done was take their sort of thoughts and package them up in a way that got some yeah. management approval. Yeah, so it's the, a massive the, boring to watch to tell you the time. Sort of no, but it's, you know, it's the senior partner in the room selling the vision, right? And the yeah. vision is mission, vision, goals, objectives, right? It's part of, in my view, it's part of the enterprise architecture story, right? Which is, you know, we, we want to, I don't know, move all these integrations uh, from on-prem to in the cloud or whatever, the, whatever it might be. And yeah, part of that is maybe is solution architecture and, you know, all those sorts of things. So there is an architecture thread. But it's not sold as like let's come in and do architecture for you. It's it's sold as right. let's come in and solve this prop this business problem that you have. You're losing money because your integrations are failing and dropping things, and we're going to solve that problem for you. And a part of that is is architecture. 
at least in Absolutely. my experience, that's how I've seen it done before. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the people assume we can do what we say we can do. If we say we, we're architects, that we could do architecture, that we go. But that's but that's, a, that's a bold expectation, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but the, what you said is absolutely right. Is what they're, they're looking to us all for is a combination of vision and influence. Um, and that's why if if you've got, whether it's in-house teams or consultants or anyone, that if, if they're sort of too much still doing architecture in the way they were trained and haven't developed their vision and influence with the people that matter, then that's not possibly where architecture gets sort of a bit of a cold shoulder or a bad name sometimes. Bill, you've been uncharacteristically yeah. quiet. <laughs> what you did? Well, you know, this is a thing about to us are all wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that at all, right? I mean, you guys are in the middle of this bit in this conversation all of the time. And I think, you know, I'm not sure that I bring anything to this other than I think, you know, you ask, well, is this the same as this? And I think that architecture is sort of fractal in nature, right? I mean, it, it it, at one level, you're building something. And so you have to design that as well. And I think your point is spot on. This is something it should be part of every piece you go at every layer. The other thing is your, your architecture is designing for culture. Um, yes. You know, and it's how do we want these people to interact? How do we want these business units to interact with each other? And there's an opportunity to influence culture, but the culture also has to influence the design. This is how we want to do things. Not this is the way we've always done it, but this is how we want to act towards our client. This is how we want to act towards this group or whatever. So I, I think that this is one of the reasons that we have, uh, you know, these conflicts inside these various groups over architecture is that they're really coming at this frequently from different cultural points of view. They're, they're actual, where they think the flag is planted is different. Well, let's pick up that thread then, because, you know, some, sometimes, as we all know, these things, these, especially when you're talking about enterprise architecture, it can turn into like this massive thought experiment, right? Where we're all gazing at our own navels in the mirror and that sort of thing, which would be horrifying for some of us. But um, the, <laughs> the where I want to take this is practically speaking, right? Does if does this matter at all to someone who is either a consultant or an architect, or maybe you're a consultant architect, architect, consultant, I don't know, however you want to phrase it. If, if you're in one of these roles, if you're a consultant at one of these big firms and you want to be in architecture, um, can you make that change? If, are there different skills that are needed between consultants and architects? Or are they similar? What are we thinking? Absolutely. The fundamentals that are absolutely identical. Um, we've talked about professionalizing what we do. And that's the fundamentals, absolutely identical. We all have to be good at that enough, including going back to where the conversation's got so far, an ability to understand and work with different cultures and possibly even help sort of shift a culture on. Uh, our ability to, to express our vision and, you know, influence people. If we're going to professionalize, it has to include all that too. And when I, when I do work uh, as a mentor with people who are in consultancies rather than they've got a, an, if you like, the end client job, the, the, the skills are the same. The talents are the same. Everything's the same, apart from the mode with which they interact with the client. And also because... Hey, can if, I challenge... If, if, 
Yes. Let me challenge that for just a second, because I think you're right. But I think a thing is, you know, it's all of the skills of building. I mean, I mean you think of, you know, architecture at its core means chief builder, right? So that's that bit, right? It's, but it's the guy at the top. So having that means I have to be able to get these different parts, not just technical parts, but these people to work together Absolutely. to build Absolutely. a thing, right? I mean, and I have to be able to pull that workforce. So I think there are and what I'm worried about in this space or anything else like this is that we might simply have already internalized it. Well, you have to be good with working with people. You have to be good at, at creating shared vision. You have to be, and none of those things necessarily comes automatically to the people who need it the most. Absolutely. It did. I mean, I had to be taught facilitation back in the 90s. I had two facilitation courses and they opened my eyes completely. They were actually right. more valuable to me all the way through than the technical architecture course I had at the beginning. Sure. You can learn that. We can learn that from each other. Um, but we learn from professionals, facilitation skills, things like that. We have to learn from professionals. Sorry. No, no, so, uh, sorry. The piece I wanted to add is I think a lot of being a good architect comes down to experience. It's, it, you, yes, you can read. Yes, you can get kind of mentoring. But actually, the danger yeah. I see is uh, consultants kind of perhaps let's go back to Chris's SAP example he often uses. You know, someone who installs SAP day in, day out perhaps hasn't had exposure to the breadth of conversation or experience. To then better make that leap into all of a sudden becoming an architect. And what I see sometimes is someone going, oh, well, you know, you've been an SAP installer for the last three, four years. So now it's time to make you an architect. Let's just put you in that role. And I think, you know, some people, that's fine. They, they you know, they learn by experience. It's a baptism of fire. They, you know, they, 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 they get to grips with it and they, and they truly become an SAP architect, or whatever the type of architect is that they've been asked to become. But I think often I see people that are, you know, given that, and we talked about this before, I think, with, some 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 organizations use it as almost like a promotion. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're the architect. You're, you're uh, billed as an architect, right? Yeah. How much architecture have you done? None. And so you're the architect on the on the project. We can we can. And, and this kind of comes back to sort of the resourcing. I think we talked about consultancy resourcing uh, a while back, or your know, skills. Yeah. And it comes back to sort of how honest is the consulting organization being about. The person's qualifications and experience to to, to to do that sort of role as a consultant. So, yeah, I think I, I think it, the jump is possible, but I don't. I think people should either have a natural aptitude for it, and kind of you know, some people just do, don't they? They see the bigger picture on their own or more easily, and, and they see the bigger piece. But I think if there's someone who's still quite technical and isn't showing those signs of seeing the bigger picture or being able to facilitate the thing you know, along the lines that Chris is. Well, wait. So wait. I. I which direction are you talking about, right? Because you just said, you know, um, they might be able to make the leap from which, from consultant to architect or from architect to consultant, or does it matter? I, I, well, I guess I'm talking more about the leap to becoming an architect. To becoming um, an architect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a consultant, so, so you're a consultant in a, perhaps a technical role and then, and then you're built as a, making that leap to the architect. I think you're right. The other way around is interesting as well because when I went to, when I've been in consultancies, there is that overlap, like the, the right. of being able to communicate well, being able to kind of you know visualize ideas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there is definitely um, there's an overlap in that Venn diagram, right, of, of role. Do you think it's harder for an architect to become a consultant? I'd find it very difficult because I've never been one, and I, you know I've been all these years gig architect before <laughs> employed architect. I'm not sure actually consultant would ever give you the job. Um, so I, I kind of have a different view. I, I honestly think that a good architect is an internal consultant to their organization. And so actually, it's not much of a stretch, I don't think, from an architecture consultant, because then essentially what you're just doing is offering that 
advisory type service to, to, to you know to different clients who are paying. I just think that I just think the environment and the, the drivers sort of shift a bit. If, if wait, so if you're doing it right, let's okay. So you're an architect within an organization at a big company. If you're doing it right, don't you need a lot of the skills that a consultant would naturally have? Don't you need to be able to sell? Influence, visualize, storytell, everything. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, historically, haven't they just, you know, been the guys with the ponytails in the dark room off in the corner and they come out and here's my 20 by 40 plotter diagram of, you know, whatever. Look at all the lines and boxes. I'm an architect. And I, I think what we're saying is that's not what an architect is anymore, right? And that's not what's working for architects, right? It's, it's, Maybe that's it's more as we it. were saying yeah. earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's about how you show up. The architecture is something you're using. You're showing up to solve a problem or, or you know, sort of live in an opportunity. It's part of what you're doing. It's not what you lead with, right? Yeah. I think not every organization I've worked with would want their own architects, in-house architects, to act as consultants. It's a model. And I, I think we should be careful not to sort of undiversify the whole thing and say, well, all internal architects have to act as internal consultants because there's plenty of business leaders who would, would would rather not like that to happen at all. They want these right. people to feel just as much part of the company as everybody else, just do their job with everybody else, not start to set this what sounds like a distance between yeah. them and everybody else. So we, I, there is that model, but there are other models too. I don't, I don't necessarily think a good consultant has to put that distance. I think they have to respect what the aims and objectives are of the engagement. But I think you can almost be on a continual internal engagement for uh, yeah, right. think we're sort of trying to undiversify something. Well, I don't know why we would. If if the people who want the architects to do the job say we don't want you to be consultants, we just want to be, you know, Oliver, then we, I'm not sure we should be trying to sort of shoehorn everybody into the same model. Well, well but let's so let's talk about those models for a second, right? Because there's different engagement models that architects yeah. have, right? As yeah. just as there seems to be an I think, Chris, you pointed out there's like 144 different types of enterprise architects. That, was, that came from South Holkman, you know. Um, yeah, you know, well, I'm so, yeah, great. If you, you know, if you go back to that that Venn diagram that um, or charts or whatever we, that we had in the last conversation on this topic, if you take that whole, right, enterprise architecture, I think, was like this big, right? And like solution architecture was this big. And so it's like if there's 144 different types of enterprise architects, there's going to be thousands of different types of all the other kinds of architects combined. I guess the question is, or the, the point or the thought is that that would imply that there's like just oodles of different engagement models for architects yeah, to, yeah. to engage with clients or companies or whatever. And I guess, is it is it based on their skill? Is it based on the company they're with? Is it based on the type of architecture? I don't know, t- type of consulting? I don't know. I'm going to say part of it. Yeah, it's, it's all of it. I agree. And just, you know, from, I think it's somewhat dependent on the type of architecture from the perspective of, from the business architecture side, it's very consultative. That doesn't mean that there isn't in a large practice, some people that are focused on maps or, you know, doing some, like create diverse teams, leverage everybody's talents, but it's much more consultative. So I think to, to Chris's point too, like there's a spectrum here across yeah, a, a exactly. lot of different yeah. aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I might... If we go back to who is driving all of this, who's hiring architects, who effectively, you know, shaping what we all get to do, then there are 144 different role names with the word architect in. And in my my mentoring practice, about only half the people I mentor in the work have architects in their role title. So that's the sort of something there, um, is that they're looking for specialisation. 
in some ways, as I said it last time we spoke, the word enterprise is so broad. I mean, it's, it's far too broad. And even though you get down to the word business, that's still fairly broad and so on. So what happens, I think, is people say, well, we've got this particular challenge we're facing and we need an architect for that. Can you do it? And then, and if they're employee, they get the job title. So I think we're looking at people hiring architects who want specialization. Would you say, would you say a specialization like PowerPoint architect might be? Um... Could be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's Sam's list. I didn't check that one, but there, I mean, there's interesting ones on Sam's list. Uh, all over her way in. I think Chris is trying to trick, trying to trigger me on that one. It's, it's <laughs> worth it. Okay. Um, all right. So I, I think. Well, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've established that architecture, if it isn't a well-defined profession, ought to be, right? Um, it should be. And the reasons for that is because of the, well, there are a variety of reasons. We didn't really get into a lot of them in this segment, but we've talked about it before, right? The impact and the influence that they can have on organizations in the, in the designing and building of things. Um, and I think... I guess the, the remaining question would be, you know, if you're one of these people that is like, you know, I am an architect and I want to be a consultant outside of my company, mm -hmm. um, what might you need to learn or do? And maybe the opposite is true also. You know, I'm, an, I'm, uh, I'm in the IT group of Pricewaterhouse and I'm an architect and I really want to get into more of the consulting part of that, right? What do I need to do? And I guess there's, maybe different skills required to go in either direction. I mean, I, I think there's that, you know, this argument for, you know, wanting to have this sort of standardized. The thing is, it's one thing if I'm the architect of, I got to build these shelves from Ikea. And the other thing, if I got to build a bridge, which cars go over every day and people will die if it doesn't work, right? I mean, one place a potted plant dies and the other place people die, right? And I, so those things are different and the scales of this architecture is different. And I think, for example, you know, and we're all, if we were all self-reporting or all can be architects at some layer of a thing that we are doing. And, uh, you know, we have to figure out what we're going to do with that bit. The problem is some of you have such great views into large organizations trying to do important and difficult things that they understand what it happens to break. And this is why people want this standardized. They know what happens when it breaks, when it, when someone missed a requirement or someone didn't, you know, put this in the way that needs to go. So I think that is what I understand. But if you are in this space, I think figuring out how to be the chief builder of whatever it is you're working on is probably a good salary move. If we if we think about these these buckets of skills, right? There's uh, the architecture stuff. There's a set of cognitive stuff, and then there's a set of you know human right. stuff like influence and storytelling, that good stuff. Yeah. So it's it's almost like depending on which side you're on, if you are working as an architect in an organization and you want to step out as a consultant, you need to get really good at the influence and the you know dynamism and really working with people, um, let alone the dynamics of just working in consulting. And it's maybe not your decision, right? And you're, you're influencing others. If you are in consulting, you got the cognitive and you got the, um, you know, the human stuff. Now you just need to really step into the architecture and add that layer on top of it with, you know, the appropriate architectural thinking and appropriate frameworks uh, and practicality around them. My thoughts. That's great. Bronky. What are you thinking? Uh, Wendy's just summed it up brilliantly, so it's really hard for me to kind of add on 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 top of that. But I think it's, to summarise what we were talking about before, I think 
the professionalization and sort of, you know, there's some emerging frameworks for skills and things like that. And I think if anyone's sort of thinking, where do I measure up? A good place to go is BCS, British Community Society has a, a skills for information age framework that you can use to kind of assess yourself on things like, you know, business analytics skills or architecture or, you know, development or project management. I think those sorts of things are quite helpful for you to kind of almost self-assess where am I today and where are my gaps and, you know, given where I want to go, what these things do I want to develop? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I echo what others have said, really. It's it's kind of about looking at where you are now and, and where are your gaps and what do you need to do in order to get where you want to go. Well, I'm, going, I'm actually going to go back to Paul, actually, because he's, he's made some quite um, pointed observations and they're valuable observations about, and we touched on it in this conversation, about people who are hiring architects or applying job names to architects. And I, I'm not about to do anything, I think, would put anybody's life at risk. So um, what I'm talking about now is sort of some time for the future. So therefore, we must equip the people hiring architects with the ability, whether they're hiring consultants or contractors or gig economy architects or in-house architects, to know a good architect when they see one, um, just generally, and then whether the architect can actually do the job they're going to offer them. So we, rather than try and professionalise it from the perspective of the architecture bunch, the idea is to try and professionalise it, if we could, from the people hiring us. Mm. that way around then that would be i think effective yeah really interesting stuff you know i i think i think a good consultant is somewhat of an architect in a lot of different ways whether they're architecting yeah. a story yeah, yeah. or they're architecting i didn't actually answer the question about consultants but because uh, it's not yeah. an area i know so i mean i do mental consultants and i've been one so i'm not going to yeah. try too hard to know what that's like and then I think, you know, to Wendy's point, you know, if you're doing consulting, right, you have, or if you're doing architecture, right, you've got a bit of yep. consulting in you as well, right? The totally. ability to influence and totally. so. So listen, guys, I appreciate, I appreciate the conversation. We missed Paul Price, we talked about him. Maybe we'll just, we should have like a, like a picture. Did you notice know, I was him for a bit there? I, yeah, I right, or we'll get a, we should get like a Zoom <laughs> filter with like, he just pops up, <laughs> pops up out of the corner of the screen and then goes back down. Um, but no, I appreciate all the thoughts on this, um, you know, this, this is the third sort of episode in this series. And I, I imagine we're going to continue having this conversation for the rest of the year. Right. So um, listen, I, I appreciate it. Uh, Chris Potts, uh, Philianoff, Wendy Keen, and Oliver Cron. I'm Chris Lockhart. Thank you, everybody. We will see everyone next time. <laughs>